Welcome to this week's episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. We are back with another episode this week. It is the fourth episode of the podcast, and the season continues to roll on. We have some drama going on in Minnesota. We had a wild Thursday night game between the Seahawks and the Rams, a game which went down to the wire and saw the Seahawks come out victorious after Greg Zerline missed a game-winning field goal attempt. We also have our first international game of the year coming up this week, and there's a bunch of other topics to get to, but let's first get started the way we always do, and that is with a roundup of the latest news stories from around the league. Here we go. Let's get started this week with the Minnesota Vikings. They have been all over the news this week with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins. But it really all gets started with Adam Thielen after Sunday's game to the Chicago Bears when he called out Kirk Cousins for not throwing the ball down the field. Now, Kirk Cousins apologized to Thielen on local radio, which is a bit odd. Thielen should have never called him out in public, and Cousins should have never apologized to him in public. That is something you should be keeping in the locker room. But it's understandable because Thielen had only two catches for six yards in that game on Sunday, and he has just 13 catches for 179 yards in four games so far this season. And then there is Stephon Diggs, who wasn't there at practice on Wednesday. He too is frustrated and annoyed and not happy with the Vikings offense. And when he missed practice on Wednesday, it really created some speculation that he might want out of Minnesota. Now, I'm not really sure where that all came from. There wasn't an official report on this, but it did create a lot of buzz and it did ramp up throughout the day on Wednesday and into the night. Now, when he returned to practice on Thursday, Diggs explained that he wasn't feeling well, and that is the reason why he wasn't there the day before. Now, when Diggs was asked about all the trade rumors, instead of shutting it all down and ending all the speculation, Diggs answered, quote, there's truth to all rumors, end quote. So again, he didn't shut down the rumors. And it's clear that there is frustration here in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, with the play calling. They are more of a run-heavy offense than a pass-happy offense under offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Remember, last year under offensive coordinator John DeFilippo, the Vikings were throwing the ball way more. Adam Thielen started last season with eight straight games of 100-plus receiving yards. But head coach Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball more. They fired DeFilippo. They're all in on using Dalvin Cook. They drafted a running back in the third round in Alexander Madison. Kirk Cousins is not making his throws when he gets to, when he gets the chance to throw the ball. And he's 5-27 and 27 now in his career versus teams over 500. And when you have when when you have Cousins on a 3-year, 84 million dollar fully guaranteed contract and you have Stefan Diggs on a 5-year, 81 million dollar contract and you have Thielen on a 4-year, 64 million dollar contract 
and your offense is 31st in the NFL in passing yards, yeah, it is understandable why the receivers are all frustrated. Reports indicate that the Vikings will not trade Stephon Diggs. They have no interest in moving him. But it really will get interesting this week when the Vikings play the New York Giants in MetLife Stadium. The Giants defense, they had a bounce back week last week versus the Washington Redskins. But it is not a great defense. If Kirk and the Vikings offense cannot get it done versus the New York Giants, I think it could get really ugly. And then it becomes something that must be monitored very closely. Alrighty, let's shift over to Raiders linebacker Vontez Burfecht, who is facing a season-long suspension, 12 games, for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. Now, Burfecht is appealing the suspension, as you would expect, and that is scheduled to take place on Tuesday. Now, here's some numbers on Burfecht over the years. Since 2013, he has been suspended a total of 22 games, and has forfeited over $5 million to fines and suspensions. He's a repeat offender, we all know that by now, and the NFL finally decided that enough is enough. Now, Burfecht is just 29 years old, and the Raiders brought him in on a one-year deal after all those years in Cincinnati, and they reunited him with defensive coordinator Paul Gunther. And earlier this week, quarterback Derek Carr told reporters that Burfecht is one of the most misunderstood players in the NFL. And the Raiders liked him so much that they made him the captain of their defense. They made him the leader of the defense. But if we're all going to be honest, we've watched Burfecht for all these years. And this isn't something that he's done once or twice. But we've seen it countless times. I saw a clip on Twitter earlier this week with six or seven or even eight plays from Vontez Burfecht's career, and it's him delivering unnecessary and cheap shots to offensive players. And we'll see what happens with this appeal, but it's clear that the NFL has seen enough, and they decided that it's time to hand out a massive 12-game suspension for on-field player misconduct. It is something unprecedented, but it was time to do so after he has done it so many times. We'll see what happens with the appeal. Last time that Vontas Perfect had a suspension, it was a five-game suspension, which was reduced to three games. We'll see what happens here. If it goes from 12 to 8 or 12 to 6, that will take place on Tuesday. I want to quickly move over to another defensive player, and that is Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey. I've spoken about him in the last two episodes of the podcast, and the discussion continues here in episode number four. Basically, the Jaguars have now won two straight games with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. They beat Tennessee on Thursday night, then they had that comeback win versus the Broncos last Sunday. He has been really impressive, especially for a six-round rookie quarterback. And owner Shad Khan told the AP this week that the right thing to do for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now is to keep Jalen Ramsey and not trade him away. Now, Ramsey still wants out of Jacksonville, and that has not changed. It's worth noting that he has not changed his mind. He does not want to be there. He wants to be traded. 
But if you go now and look at the AFC South, you'll see that all four teams in that division are 2-2 two and two so far this season. And the Jaguars schedule now has the Carolina Panthers this week with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Then you get the New Orleans Saints with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. And then you have the Bengals and the Jets, two winless teams currently in back-to-back weeks. So a chance to string together some victories. But Jalen Ramsey is dealing with this back issue, which is why he didn't play last week versus the Broncos. He is with the team. He is with his teammates. But if he doesn't play this week versus Carolina... You really start to wonder if he's actually injured or if he wants to get out of there and will not step foot on the field for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Remember, before last week's game, Jalen Ramsey never missed a college football game and never missed an NFL game due to anything, whether it's an off-the-field thing or whether it's because of an injury. So for him to have the flu and now to have this back issue all of a sudden, it does make you wonder if he really, really is injured or if he really is sick or if he just really doesn't want to play for the Jaguars anymore. I think we'll know more about the situation this week and if he ends up playing or not. Let's wrap up this segment with a quick rundown of some injuries from around the league. First up, we have Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who will not play this week versus the Oakland Raiders in London. He has a shoulder injury, and the Bears have a bye after this week, so expect his return date to be in Week 7 versus the New Orleans Saints. Chase Daniels will start. Then we have Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, who is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And the reports originally were that he was going to miss four to eight weeks. But he is back at practice, working on the side, running, jumping, sprinting, doing all the basic stuff. And it would be a stunner if he plays this week versus the Vikings. But the Giants have a week six Thursday night game versus the Patriots. And maybe, just maybe, that could be his return date. The big injury from this past week was Broncos pass rusher Bradley Chubb who tore his ACL versus the Chicago Bears. His season is over. The Broncos are 0-4 and we'll see if they decide to trade some pieces before the trade deadline. More on them later on. Staying in the AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill. He is back at practice. He has not played since week one versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it is worth noting that the team has no plans to rush him back from that shoulder injury. And then two players placed on IR this week. We have Bengals wide receiver John Ross, who is out for at least the next eight weeks with a shoulder injury. He was coming along to start the season with new head coach Zach Taylor, but we won't see him for the foreseeable future. And then Patriots kicker Steven Gostkowski, his season is over with a hip injury and he has struggled mightily so far this season. He's missed four extra points and his season is now over. The Patriots signed veteran kicker Mike Nugent to replace him. Let's move on to our next segment and the five things to watch for this week in week five. But first... Let's do what we do every week, and that is recap the five things that we mentioned in the last episode, which was the five things to watch for in week four. First up, last week we had the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, 
and how they would do against a good team like the New Orleans Saints after the Cowboys started the year with the New York Giants and Eli Manning and then Case Keenum and the Washington Redskins and then they had the tanking Dolphins. How would they do against a good team like the New Orleans Saints on Sunday Night Football in the Superdome? And well, the Cowboys took a step back. Dak wasn't good. Zeke wasn't Zeke. The play calling wasn't great. And that was the concern that I had entering this game. A really good team versus the Cowboys in the Superdome on Sunday Night Football. Everyone is watching and the Cowboys couldn't come through. And now this week they get a really good Packers team with Aaron Rodgers. A team that just lost on Thursday Night Football. Which means that they have some extra rest coming into this game. And it will be another test for the Cowboys, for Dak, for that offense to prove if they can improve on what they did in the first three weeks or are they going to repeat what they just had on Sunday Night Football versus the Saints? Which Cowboys team will we get? That is still a question for this week, but they couldn't come through last week versus the Saints. The second thing that we had last week was the Cleveland Browns, and if they can bounce back after losing in Week 3 versus the LA Rams on Sunday Night Football, all the criticism was building up. Would they bounce back versus the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore and get that big win, or will they fall behind in that division and they ended up bouncing back with a, in a big way, with a big victory versus the Ravens. And they, the Cleveland Browns, are now in first place in that division. Nick Chubb, the running back, had a huge game with three touchdowns. And we finally got to see a little bit of that Browns offense that we thought we'll see in the offseason when we, when we were all talking about the Browns and hyping up the Browns and talking about Baker and Odell and Chubb and the rest of that offense, we finally got to see a little bit of that team with so much explosiveness and putting up over 40 points versus a very good Baltimore Ravens defense. Give credit also to that defense in Cleveland under defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Even with all the injuries in the secondary, this defense has done a tremendous job in the first four games of the season. Number three last week was a five-word question. Are the Lions for real? And when I asked that question, I wasn't asking for the Lions to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. All I said was keep it close and keep it competitive and show that you could stick around with the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs offense. And the Lions did just that. They kept it close. They kept it competitive. And into the fourth quarter, they had a lead in that game. And they came close to actually winning that game at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. That defense held Patrick Mahomes to zero passing touchdowns, which is unheard of nowadays because we all expect Patrick Mahomes to have four passing touchdowns per game. This defense held them to held Mahomes to zero passing touchdowns the entire game. If a couple of plays went the Lions' way, they would have won that game last week. And they did all of that without their top cornerback in Darius Slay, who didn't play due to injury. Let's not sleep on the Lions. They're 2 1 and 1 on the year. They have a bye this week. And then in week 6, they have a Monday night football game, a primetime game versus division rival Green Bay Packers. That will be a big game once again for them to prove if they are for real. 
that time around, I actually want to see them win that game and show the world that they are legit. That comes up in week number six. Moving along here, the fourth thing that we had last week was the Denver Broncos defense, which entering week four had zero sacks and zero takeaways on the season. And I wanted to see them actually do something and wreak some havoc versus Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars offense. Now, while the Broncos did end up losing and Leonard Fournette had over 200 yards rushing, the Broncos defense did have five sacks in this game. So there is a positive for them. But as was mentioned earlier, Bradley Chubb tore his ACL and he's done for the year. And while the Broncos are 0-4 on the season, they could very easily be 2-2 or even 3-1 on the year. That loss to the Bears in Week 2 on the Eddie Pinheiro field goal. And then this past week, the loss to the Jaguars on the Josh Lambeau field goal. Two heartbreaking losses, which should have went their way. The defense could not make a stop. The Week 2 game versus the Bears, there was the Bradley Chubb roughing the passer. So a few things that haven't gone their way, and now they're 0-4. And looking ahead and looking forward with an 0-4 record, the question really becomes, what do they do with their veterans like Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris, who are both in the final year of their contracts, and then even Von Miller, who has a couple more years left on his deal, will they look to trade those guys in exchange for some future draft picks? There were some rumblings during the week that they will look to trade those guys that is not an official report but it is something to monitor as the season goes along and then the fifth and final thing that we had last week was the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they would perform versus the Cincinnati Bengals and what I mentioned last week was that if the Steelers lost that game and they would fall to 0-4 I thought that the reaction in Pittsburgh would be insane, especially because they already traded away their first round pick and their third round pick and their fifth round pick in trades earlier this year. So they would be 0-4 and without their starting quarterbacks and without all those picks, it would be a total disaster. But they ended up winning in a blowout fashion over the Cincinnati Bengals. And now this week they have another divisional game versus the Baltimore Ravens a team that has lost two straight games. So a chance here for Pittsburgh to get right back in it. In that game on Monday night, Mason Rudolph, he did look pretty good, but none of those passes were down the field. A lot of dink and dunks to the running backs. With that being said, I do want to see him throwing the ball down the field a little bit more this week. So that was the five things from last week. And here are the five things that I'm watching for this week. In week five, we have 10 games in the early window this week. Just two in the late window. Not sure why the NFL sets up their schedule like that. The Dolphins and the Lions are in a bye this week. Justin Houston returns to Kansas City for the first time since being cut in the offseason. That is the Colts versus Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. We also have the Cowboys and the Packers. That is always a fun one. That is a 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time game. Anyways, here are the five things that I'm watching for this week in week five. Here we go. Up first this week, we have Daniel Jones versus the Vikings defense. I mentioned earlier how Dak Prescott had his first real test last week versus the Saints defense. 
Daniel Jones has his first real test this week versus the Minnesota Vikings defense. Jones has been near perfect in his first two starts as a New York Giant. He has a record of 2-0 with wins over Washington and Tampa Bay. But now we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings defense, which allows just 16 points per game and 218 passing yards per game. This isn't the Redskins defense. It is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. It is going to be a much tougher defense for Daniel Jones. But head coach Pat Shermer does know the Vikings and he does know Mike Zimmer from his days in Minnesota. So maybe they have an advantage there, but it is going to be a much much more difficult task for Daniel Jones this week versus Minnesota. I want to see how he fares in this game. The Giants will have Golden Tate back from his four-game suspension, so there is another positive for Daniel Jones as he continues to grow as a franchise quarterback for the New York Football Giants. Up next, we have the Atlanta Falcons who are 1-3 on the season, and the hot seat is getting hotter for head coach Dan Quinn. And they have to turn it around or this can get real bad. They have the Texans this week after they lost at home last week to the Tennessee Titans. Matt Ryan already has six interceptions this year. He had seven all of last year. They are committing penalties left and right. They're undisciplined. Devonta Freeman can get it going in the running game. They're averaging 17.5 points per game. Dan Quinn, the head coach, took over defensive play calling this year, and the defense is ranked in the bottom half of the NFL. Quinn's seat is getting hotter and hotter, and if they lose this week to the Houston Texans, it's going to get even hotter than that. And next week, they have the Arizona Cardinals. And while that sounds like an easy win, remember last year the Green Bay Packers played against the Arizona Cardinals and they ended up losing that game, and that was when Mike McCarthy was fired as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Atlanta has to turn it around, and they gotta turn it around fast. It all gets started this week versus the Houston Texans. I'll be watching very closely how they do in that game. The third thing that I'll be watching for this week in Week 5 is Khalil Mack returning to take on the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden for the first time since that blockbuster trade last year. This game is in London. It is not in Oakland even though they are considered the home team. But it is Khalil Mack's return to see his former teammates, his buddy Derek Carr, and the head coach who traded him in John Gruden. This isn't just another game for Mack. It is a revenge game. Since that trade, and Raiders fans should close their ears, Khalil Mack has 17 sacks in 18 games, while the Raiders as a team have 18 sacks in 20 games. Since that trade, Khalil Mack has 10 forced fumbles. The Raiders as a team have 8 forced fumbles. Khalil Mack is unfair. The Raiders traded him away and now will have a chance to go and sack his former teammate Derek Carr and create havoc versus the team that traded him. It will be Colton Miller and Trent Brown who will have to try to stop Mack and it won't be easy. I have a feeling that Mack is going to go off in this game. I'll be watching that very closely. That is the third thing that I'm watching for this week. 
Next up is this Saints-Buccaneers game on Sunday. And this game is fascinating to me, and let me explain why. First of all, the Saints are now 2-0 with Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback. They have wins over Seattle and Dallas. That is really impressive and really difficult to do. And it is amazing that they've been able to do that with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. But the one thing that I'm watching for this game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they have been one of the biggest surprises so far in the 2019 season. With a new coaching staff led by Bruce Arians, Jameis Winston has been looking like a real NFL quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it started off poorly in week one versus the 49ers, but ever since it has steadily improved. And then last week was the big breakthrough game where he had 385 passing yards and four touchdowns versus the Rams in that big win in the Coliseum. Now you have Chris Godwin, who's a star. You have Mike Evans, who is Mike Evans. The offensive line was incredible last week. They didn't get enough credit, but they were amazing last week versus that Rams defensive line. And on the defensive side of the ball, Shaq Barrett has nine sacks in four games so far this season. He signed the one-year deal in the offseason, but he has been lights out so far this year. And Dominican Sue, the big free agent addition that they added in the offseason, he had a big fumble recovery, returned for a touchdown last week. New defensive coordinator Todd Bowles has done a great job with this unit. I'm actually impressed with this team. I'm not sold yet, but I'm really impressed so far. And if they can win this week versus the Saints in the Superdome, they would be in first place in the NFC South. I want to see how they play this week versus Teddy Bridgewater and that New Orleans Saints team. And then the fifth and final thing that I'm watching for this week is something that isn't getting much attention nationally. And it's more of a long-term thing than a short-term thing. And that is the amount of touches that Christian McCaffrey is getting in each game. It's not normal. In last week's game versus the Houston Texans, McCaffrey had a whopping 37 touches. Offensive coordinator North Turner said this week that it's not an issue unless it continues to happen each and every week. Now, McCaffrey has had 111 touches in four games this year. That comes out to 28 touches per game. A player that is always compared to McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, for example, he has 79 touches this year. McCaffrey has 111. The numbers are absurd. And the thing about this is that while he's great and while his career has been great so far, eventually it's going to add up and the hits are going to pile up. And the Panthers did the exact same thing with quarterback Cam Newton when they overused him in the running game and look at him now as he's dealing with all those injuries. At this rate right now, Christian McCaffrey is on pace for 444 touches this season. Again, that is an absurd number. I just feel like he's way overused in that offense. And while it is working right now, it, co it could come back to bite later on. Will the Panthers do something about it now? Will they use Curtis Samuel more? Draw a place for DJ Moore? Do something about it? And don't overuse Christian McCaffrey the way he has been overused in the first four games this season and last season as well. He is being used way too much. They are relying on him too much. And again, while it is working right now, 
it is going to come back eventually to bite them. I truly believe that. This week, the Panthers have the ferocious Jaguars defense. We'll see how that goes and how many touches Christian McCaffrey gets. Let's move on to our fantasy segment for this week, and let's mix it up a little bit. Let's do two sleepers this week instead of five, and then let's add one player that is a must-start, and then one player that I'll strongly consider sitting this week. Let's get started with the sleepers. First up, we have a running back, and if you play in PPR, he is perfect for you. It is Redskins running back Chris Thompson. So far this season, Chris Thompson has double-digit fantasy points in each game so far. In all four games this year, Chris Thompson has 10-plus points in each and every game. And while most of those points are coming from dink and dunk passes out of the backfield that all counts in fantasy and this week's matchup looks like a tough matchup versus the Patriots but if you look back at last week's game Buffalo versus New England TJ Yeldon had four catches for 68 yards out of the backfield for Buffalo and if the Redskins are going to be playing from behind like we all expect them to in this game, Chris Thompson will be heavily involved out of that backfield. A lot of passes will go his way, and that will equal a lot of fantasy points. Chris Thompson is sleeper number one this week. And then the second sleeper that I have for this week, and I'm not sure exactly if I'm starting him this week because I'm not fully committed yet. But he's definitely someone who you should keep on your radar. And that is Steelers rookie wide receiver Deontay Johnson. In two games so far this year with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, Johnson has two long touchdown receptions. And he led all Steelers wide receivers on Monday night in catches with six, in targets with six, and in receiving yards with 77. And with Dante Moncrief out of the picture and James Washington falling behind, it looks like Deontay Johnson has secured the number two wide receiver spot in Pittsburgh behind Juju Smith-Schuster. And it looks like Mason Rudolph is looking towards him more and more as the weeks go by. I would keep an eye on him and see how he does this week versus Baltimore. And maybe, just maybe, Deontay Johnson could become a hidden gem for your fantasy team down the line this season. Moving on to my must start for this week. And I said I'll only give one, but I'll give two. And they go hand in hand because they are teammates. And these picks also work in daily fantasy as well. I am going with Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray and Cardinals running back David Johnson. This week versus the Bengals, I believe, is the week that the Arizona offense finally pops with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach. We all got to see the Bengals defense on Monday night versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now they're coming off a short week. David Johnson is once again coming off a week with over 100 scrimmage yards. He'll be used early and often in the run game and in the pass game, and Kyler Murray still hasn't had that big game that we're all waiting for, but this week versus the Bengals defense is the best chance that he'll get this year. If it's not this week, then I don't know when it will be for Kyler. I'm all in on both these guys. If you play Daily Fantasy, I like both of them as value options for you. And if you have them in regular fantasy, then I would start them this week versus the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And then the one player that I am sitting this week, it is Raiders wide receiver Tyrell Williams. 
Williams has a touchdown in all four games so far this year, but he has the Bears defense this week in London, and we all know how great and how tough that Bears defense is. They have allowed just one touchdown this year to wide receivers who line up outside. And while you may be tempted to star Williams, considering all the success he's had so far this year, if you go look at the waiver wire or go look at your bench, there may be a better player who has a better matchup this week in Week 5. I would not star Williams this week versus the Chicago Bears defense. That wraps up this week's My Sports Update football podcast. Another episode is in the books. There's always stuff going on in the NFL, so stick with the My Sports Update Twitter page for all the latest from around the league. If you have any questions or any tips, feel free to email me. The email is remnfl at gmail.com. As always, one final reminder before I sign off. You can find the My Sports Update football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week five.